Hello, I'm excited you found your way here. I'm your host, Ashley Rennick, and you're listening to Waldorfy. In each episode, I explore and explain Waldorf education and its anthroposophical roots. Hello, everybody, and as always, thank you so much for listening in. Welcome. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking all about play, free play, and why it's so important. I know you may have seen the episode title for this week and kind of not been that excited because obviously most of us know play is important and we should support play for young children, but I really feel it's so integral to the Waldorf approach, both now what I've learned as a parent interested in this approach and certainly my experience as a little Waldorf kid. It's one of my greatest memories is all the time that I got to have uh, for free play alone with my friends at school and at home. And it just supported my development so much. And I really feel like I couldn't do this season How to Waldorf without featuring some kind of component that was centered on play and how important it is. Later in the episode, I'm going to be speaking with one of my favorite guests of all time. Teacher Tim is back to speak with me about play. I love Tim Bennett. Tim has over, I think, 35 years experience as a Waldorf kindergarten teacher, and he's an incredible, incredible wealth of knowledge to uh, tap into for this episode. So, And his expertise is really going to speak so much to, I think, I guess, add to my personal experience with this component that's so important to Waldorf. Quickly, I would love to thank our generous Patreon supporters for helping me to bring this content to all of you with a small monthly contribution. As always, the Waldorf U podcast is a free resource. However, as I said before on the show, free does not pay the bills. (laughs) I really can't stress enough how much that support means to me and for the show. If you would like to learn more and become a supporter, please visit patreon.com forward slash Waldorfy and Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I am so excited to be partnering with Sparkle Stories again for this season. They've actually created a landing page over at their site so you can get access to playlists of audio stories for young children written and told by a seasoned Waldorf teacher that accompany each episode in the seventh season. What is Sparkle Stories? Sparkle Stories offers over 1,400 plus original audio stories for children three and up designed to entertain and enrich your child's developing mind. As I mentioned earlier, all written and told by a seasoned Waldorf teacher. Sparkle Stories is also offering Waldorfy listeners an extended 30-day free trial from their usual seven-day free trial so your family can get access to that entire library of Sparkle Stories, including the playlist of stories that are going along with each episode of this seventh season. All you have to do is visit Sparkle stories.com forward slash Waldorfy and there you'll be able to sign up and you just use the coupon code Waldorfy at checkout and yeah it's also where you'll be able to get access to the playlist of stories that I mentioned and a playlist of our family's favorite audio stories and my son is just three and a half so there those stories are good for children three and a half and older so I'm really looking forward to you getting to check that out so play Why is free play so important? Why is play so closely tied and so important and integral to the Waldorf approach? Well, all of that I will address a little bit later with my guest, Teacher Tim. Um, But from my perspective, as a child growing up attending a Waldorf school, my mom really leaned into the knowledge of the Waldorf teachers um, in the school and, and what she would learn about child development through the Waldorf approach. She definitely, of course, read some books kind of outside of the Waldorf approach or, you know, she had some other influences, but this was definitely kind of the most uh, guiding light in her parenting approach. And one of the things that she was, I think, the most 
like strict about actually was really creating space and time for us to have for free play and ways that she did that that I think you know will probably get mentioned even later in the season is we had um, especially under nine years old my younger sisters and I very little scheduled stuff so uh, under nine none of us took a music lesson uh, none of us played a sport uh, I think actually my youngest sister did under nine um, because the older my other sister and I were doing something and she wanted to be part of it so bad um, but that's just to say that my mom really wanted it to be like and I just have such distinct memories of this and I know I've discussed this with my husband kind of coming home from school or a day in the summer where it was like you ate, mate, you had food, and then you went out and you were getting dirty and playing outside until the sun went down day after day after day. And I am so grateful for that. Definitely looking back now as an adult, I am so grateful that I had that time. Uh, many of you have heard me speak about this on the show before. My, at the time when I attended um, our local Walder school, my family, we lived like the furthest away of any family that attended the school. In later years, I think my mom carpooled with one person, but it just meant that we spent a lot of time in the car. So I'm not saying this to say, you know, don't schedule any activities for your kids or like make sure their whole day is free. My mom also had to be that way because so much of our time honestly was spent in the car going back and forth between school and back. So going to do another activity for one child that was like, and we kind of lived in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, like 30 minutes out of the way would have been like, you know, instead of an hour in the car, like two hours in the car. And it was just too much, especially myself having younger siblings. It was just, you know, at five, it's it's a lot to sit in the car that much in the day. And you have to balance that, you know, what works, what will work for your family and your children and really feel into what you think is, you know, most necessary for them in their development. And I think my mom did that just so well. Have you been looking for something specially crafted to entertain and enrich your child's developing mind? Wouldn't it be amazing if this content promoted values like kindness, empathy, and respect to help build a gentler world? Would you love a break but feel a little guilty about turning the TV on? Then you're going to be pretty excited to learn about Sparkle Stories. With Sparkle Stories, your family can enjoy a world of 1,400 plus original audio stories for ages three and up. Sparkle Stories is dedicated to helping the world go a little slower and be a little kinder. Their audio-only approach invites children to adventure, wonder, and dream in a safe and secure way. Audio stories are a low-pressure way to make even the shyest of readers hungry for more adventure and learning. My older son is three and a half, and I love that I can search for stories based on his age or story topic. For him, I love that stories are recorded slowly for young ears, ensuring maximum comprehension and enjoyment. It's been such a nice way to build a quiet rest time into our active days. I've also gifted Sparkle Stories to my six-year-old niece twice now, and I know she enjoys the longer tales and ongoing series. My favorite thing about Sparkle Stories? It is such a great alternative to the TV. Their audio-only stories spur children to use their imaginations and grow their curiosity compared to image-based entertainment like TV. Especially having our new little one in the house, I love using Sparkle Stories to keep my three-year-old's mind engaged and having fun while I get things done. I've teamed up with Sparkle Stories to offer an extended 30-day free trial so you can enjoy the entire library of Sparkle Stories, over 1,400 original audio stories for ages three and up, and you can trust me, you will enjoy. 
To check out a list of the Sparkle stories our family enjoys most and additional playlists of stories to accompany each episode throughout the seventh season, I know, so cool, you can check out sparklestories.com forward slash Walderfee. To get access to your 30-day free trial of Sparkle Stories just for Walderfee listeners, just visit sparklestories.com forward slash sign up and use code Walderfee at checkout. And that code is good through the end of 2022. I just love Sparkle Stories' selection of gentle stories for growing minds. Now, as in, you know, an interested parent in this approach, I think uh, free play is kind of the basis for everything for us. It's where I feel like I get to know my kids uh, from I think when I read You Are Your Child's First Teacher, when my first was really little, I think I really was like, okay, let's just put him down and like see him explore the world and kind of just see actually how he explores the world, not explores the world through me or through me guiding him how to do it. And I feel like I actually never had an opportunity in their childhood so far to get to know them as well as when I've observed them really play. And my three and a half year old now is getting into this phase of really going off and like fully playing by himself, even like coming up with little stories and he's talking and it's really incredible to see um, how he plays, but also how he processes. Children process stress through play. They process what they see and experience through play, what they're learning through play. Um, I think, and I'll get to speak to this probably later in the season, sleep and play are just the child's processing place. I am a big proponent in our family of making sure everyone gets enough sleep because I think that's where a lot of the processing of the day, and of course it's about rest, but um, learning and kind of things sink in. That's just how I feel and kind of have observed, I guess. That's just my gut. Um, so I always really try to protect the sleep space uh, and the time for that, and then also the play time. There have been moments, of course, where I've wanted to do more with my son or put him in this or put him in that. And my husband and I have always been like a little, you know, what, how does that affect him and his day? How does that affect the whole family? Does that mean, you know, my infant's now being toted around to this and that? And what does he do, do during that time? Um, does he have space to then be on the floor and just like roll around and play because he's being toted around to the older one's activities? So yeah, it's all a balance. And I just, I really feel, like I said, for development, this is one of the absolute most important pieces uh, to support their well-being, to support their development. Well, thank you for joining me again, Tim. I just want to call you Teacher Tim. That's how I think of you in my mind now. Uh, we just spoke earlier this year, actually, about Waldorf Kindergarten. You're my master Waldorf Kindergarten teacher at hand. So I'm so excited to speak with you about play and free play and its importance. So let's start, or I will start by asking you, what is free play? Let's define it for the audience. Well, I think, you know, free play is a huge topic. And I think uh, the way I like to think of free play is it's the child's natural state. And naturally, a young child is going to play. And I think there are many reasons for that. But I think that free play in itself is just this natural thing children will do um, from quite young to, yeah, to almost into adulthood. So it's kind of a flow they can get into. I think, you know, some people have called it the natural gift of childhood. Some other people have called it children's work is play. I mean, there's many 
many ways to look at it. But I, I really, when I thought about that question, I really came back to, you know, that's just how they are in their natural. If we, we just let them be, they're going to play. They're going to imitate what they see around them. They're going to, yeah, start the ball rolling in some way. And I think when they're younger, they do that by a lot of physical activity and trying to understand the world. And I think to have free play, you have to have an interest in some uh, uh, an object or a person. Um, and with that interest comes a wanting to know and understand. Um, and I think that's the jumping off point into free play. So free play is like the essence of the child, the essence of childhood almost. What what is important about free play in terms of how does it support natural development? Well, I think with free play, you have many things going on. I think from in the early years, there's this wanting to understand the world. So in their development, the way they play uh, is can be quite literal for a young child. So they need the chair to be a chair because their understanding is first, what is this thing that I'm sitting on? And then they learn the word chair. And then in that moment when the chair is, they understand the chair, then the chair can take on new meaning in play. So there's this sort of playfulness in the early, you know, zero to two and a half, I would say, where the objects need to be what they are. They, a chair has to be a chair. It can't be anything else. And then once they understand that, then it's like Pandora's box opens and this sort of making the chair into an, a plane or a bus or a boat or a table, you know, um, starts happening. And, and I think that gives the children this kind of creativity, flexibility. Yeah, just this kind of way of understanding the world. I mean, I think part of free play comes from this uh, place of the children take in the world through their senses and they're like little sponges and full of imitation and then they need to sort of digest that what they're seeing in the world and to digest that it's really in free play where you see that uh, happening so I sort of see it as the foundation for the rest of life you know there's many things sort of components of free play the social connections with other people that they start wanting to play with another person. Also physically moving things, building things. So you have fine motor and large motor uh, things happening all the time. And you have this sort of happiness. I didn't know how else to put it, but this like joy in creating something that you see in free play when children are playing together. And how is free play integral to Waldorf? How does it relate to Waldorf philosophy? I think that with uh, Waldorf philosophy, you have the first seven years of life being sort of a kind of a, a time period of early childhood. And in that, the young child is sort of, as I spoke about this imitative quality and that in uh, the ideas of Waldorf education, this sense of imitation of wanting to uh, imitate the surroundings has, in the modern world, you know, a few different ways to look at it. So uh, the mantra for me as a parent as, and as a teacher is this 
simple, slow smile. And I think that uh, the young child is asking for kind of a simple day that's rhythmic. They're asking for times of slow and kind of open-ended space to play in. And they're going to want us adults to be full of joy in what we're doing in the world. So if we're cooking, if we're cleaning, if we're doing yard work, that we're interested in whatever we're doing and joyful in that movement and in that expression. And we as educators try and do that um, when we're with the children. Then they can take those things that they see us doing and start integrating those into their play. Um, so when the class in the Waldorf school is, uh, is kind of, teachers talk about it when the play is, you know, at its kind of moment of crescendo where uh, it's like a beehive, where everything is buzzing and, you know, there's this kind of, you can almost feel a sort of glow in the room where there's sort of this inner and outer harmony with the, with the class of children. And I have so many memories too of free play beyond that first seven years, really in like the seven to 12, 13 year range being like something that could, like you mentioned, Pandora's box could just go on and on forever. I'm remembering a game my best friend and I used to play. We found a box of like popsicle sticks and we made roads for our matchbox cars, like through different rooms in her house. Like we made whole cities and villages and then would cut up pieces of paper and make them all the buildings along the sides of the road. So you know, how does it, how does play really evolve, you think, from that younger child into, uh, you know, the grades school age child? Well, I think the playfulness, you know, just in terms of how the curriculum is brought, it's not brought in terms of facts and sort of um, this is the way it is. It's brought in, in kind of a story form. So the story, like you were saying, you know, in, in kind of building your little places you did in your imagination where you use different things to, to make it come alive. Um, the Waldorf pedagogy sort of uses that sort of strong imagination that the children have to sort of help them understand the world. So, you know, like in the first grade, when they start bringing letters, it's not just an abstract letter. It's uh, a letter, but also there's usually also, like if you use the letter A, it's commonly used as a could want to kind of talk about then the first grade teacher would bring the A, but it would have the picture of the archer. So standing with a bow. And so that this abstract symbol actually has a picture of an archer. That's an A. And then a story about an archer. So that these, these letters have kind of a meaning behind them and they're not just abstract letters. And then you can put these letters together and make words. And so it's, you know, as their consciousness develops, the way the curriculum changes with the teachers educating them, um, I think that's one of the core pieces there, where the teacher kind of knows where the child is in their development and kind of teaches to that kind of soul gesture that the child has at that age, as opposed to, well, we need you to know this, so we're going to teach it to you. It's like almost the opposite. It's like, this is where you are as a child right now in your development. So we're going to teach you the food that you need or the education that, you know, kind of speaks to your soul life as well as your thinking life at a certain particular age. So I think that's pretty different than almost any kind of other education that I've, I know about. 
Yes. And speaking to something that's quite different in terms of approach, I see, you know, just being a mom on social media, there's so much that's like, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And I think that there's a lot that makes parents think that they have to be doing more and engaging more with their children. But I'm not sure that's actually the approach in terms of how we adults and caretakers and parents in the life of young children can actually best support free play. So do you want to talk a little bit about how we can engage or support free play in the best way possible for the young child? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. And I would say a nice image I like to use uh, when I think of the time I'm with the children during free play, which is a lot of my day. I'm kind of the conductor of a, you know, an orchestra and um, each little child is a different instrument. And I, some might be tuned perfectly. Some might need a little tweaking. And when everything's going well, you can, the conductor can just sort of listen to the hum in the room. So I think as a conductor, some things that help the play flow. Um, and as a parent, I would say, is having a very kind of rhythmic home life. So your child knows uh, when, when the food is going to be there, you know, when sleep is happening, when waking happens, so that the day is very rhythmic. And when you have that kind of rhythmic day, that lets the child just kind of, yeah, sink down an octave into knowing what's coming next. So they're not always asking you, when's dinner, when's breakfast, when's this, when's that. It's like, this is the way we do it. And this is the way it is. So they, they just, it gives them a, uh, a sense of safety and well-being that really helps for uh, free play. And then, you know, the, the kinds of things I look at when I see a child that's having difficulty is like, are they well slept? Uh, have they been, have they eaten enough? Are they dressed for the activity that we're doing? So those are some of the kind of things you can think about, I think, that kind of help nurture free play. And uh, some of the other things that can work well is kind of setting up a stage so that uh, if you know your, your child is interested in something, you can sort of set the stage so when they come home from school, you have something for them to kind of jump into right away. So that can also be really helpful. And I think there's sort of three different players or kinds of children or kinds of play that happens. There's the more physical play, which is, uh, yeah, as it sounds, physical. And then there's the more kind of feeling play, which is sort of the doll play and the nurturing play. And then there's the more thinking play, which is the sort of built, you know, the more a little bit older child, the five, six, seven-year-old child and on up, like what you were doing with your friend, a more thinking play, which has, you know, more levels, more activities. And sometimes the children move between those three and sometimes a child might be more akin to just one of those three. So once you know, you know your children and um, you can get a sense of, oh, my child is, needs some physical time. So, you know, after school we go for, we walk, we can walk home from school and that, that meets that need for them or other things like that. So that can be very helpful. And then um, two other areas I wanted to touch on. One is experiences for the children. So for, for play to happen, the children need to have seen things that they want to imitate and play out. So... Cooking at home is really a great one. Tea time, cleaning, which sounds kind of funny, but children really like to clean. I have a boy this year whose mom said he'll clean all day. He loves cleaning. So, um, and the other one is take them on kind of adventures where 
they can see people working in real life. So we're lucky in Seattle to have a place called Fisherman's Terminal. And it's a place where all the fishing boats from Alaska come live in the winter. And the fishermen are often there, like fixing their nets and hanging out, talking. And um, when my children were little, we used to go walk down the docks and chat with the fishermen. And if you know any fishermen, they love to tell stories. And um, telling stories from the fishermen, those children then take those back into their sort of play life. So things like that can be very helpful for the children, sort of, it's like leaven for the bread, you know, of play. And one last piece I want to touch on is storytelling. So there's storytelling from books, and then there's storytelling from your own life. And I would say, as a parent and as a teacher, the children, if I was to say which they enjoy the most, is the stories from my life. And that's kind of, can be, you know, anything that's happened to you in your life that you can make into stories, you know? So something uh, has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I talk to parents and alike about storytelling as, you know, it's kind of a muscle. The more you start and you just tell stories, the better you'll get. So parents I know who have tried that, they'll often come back to me and say, my children want more and more stories from my life. What am I going to do? And I said, just keep, keep digging. You'll find, you'll find them. They're there. Lovely. And in your experience observing so much free play, what do you think is the most important quality about free play for the child? If you had to pick one or two important things. I think one of the things is the joy that children have in free play. They're very joyous in free play. And especially when they're in it with their friends. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, you stand back and just admire as a, an adult. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tim. Yeah, you're welcome, Ashley. Nice talking to you. I just love Teacher Tim, and I hope you all do too. And I hope we get to have him again on the show soon. We'll see. So how do I integrate this component of free play into my life with my young children? I center our daily rhythm on play, really. That's that's the main thing and prioritize that over most everything else within the day, more than the watercolor painting, more than drawing, more than, you know, not more than eating or sleeping, obviously, but more than pretty much anything else throughout the day. Uh, when we get up in the morning, for me, I have to have my little ones dressed. Otherwise, I feel like especially during this time where we've been kind of home uh, through the pandemic a lot, I've just needed that because otherwise it feels like no one ever gets dressed throughout the day. So we usually get dressed and then my three and a half year old plays a little bit while we make the breakfast, we eat breakfast, and then he wanders off and kind of gets into his own play for a bit while we either go uh, and check on something for work, my husband or I, and then you know, reconvene to like decide what we need to get done that morning. Often we go into cleaning together at that time uh, as a family. And we always invite my three and a half year old to participate in that with us. Then around this time, my littler one's going down for a nap. And if my three and a half year old does decide to clean with us, he always exits that time whenever he's ready uh, with going off into some like game or play. And then that kind of goes on for a little while in the morning, but he really will hit a wall of, um, I don't want to say there's 
like too much free play, but it's kind of, he needs this. And I talk about this in the episode about rhythm in this season, this kind of in-breath and out-breath to the day. So he really then needs a little bit that he's that big in-breath in the play. He needs something to kind of draw back in. And that's where we'll either make a lunch together or we'll go somewhere and do something, go to the farm to get our farm stuff. Um, you know, have a moment where we're a little closer together, read books, uh, and then, you know, lunch. And then kind of the whole thing sort of repeats itself again uh, in the afternoon after his rest time, which comes right after lunch. So just really play is the center all the time for us. With my infant, I think it is, of course, important to hold and soothe and be close uh, in that way for a baby under one to support them um, and being kind of right there for them and they feel secure that way. As many of you know, I wear <laughs> my little one on me all the time, of course, and my favorite Sakura Bloom Carriers, I have to mention. Uh, and I love that close time that we get together. And especially now where I have to be making, you know, good meals for my three and a half year old uh, and for all of us, but the cooking and getting things done in the house, it's really, I feel good when I have that time where I'm wearing him. But I know he needs the time to explore and just do his own little thing on the floor too. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, that's now where I'm getting to know him better. How does he like to explore things? Does he go slow? Does he go fast? Does he not move at all and just like to sit in one place and, you know, use his hands to explore one tiny little object? Uh, that to me is so interesting. And I think as parents, we spend so much time trying to get things done in our day just to support life with young children that we're caring for, uh, that we don't sometimes take the time to really observe what's happening in that moment. So I think if there was a tip for this episode, it really would be for a child of any age as a parent or carer or teacher, just to kind of step back for a moment, a day, a week, and just observe how your child plays. And I always say to, you know, try to do this in the most inconspicuous way you can. So you're really kind of a step back because I do know when my son knows we're watching him play, like he just kind of acts really differently. And I know noticed for him playing with little friends because he has an adorable little three-year-old friend it's, he's becoming so close with. And when they kind of go off and they are in this little space, either like in the next room over um, and I can hear them playing, like they're just with an earshot, they really just come up with these like creative crazy things. And I often hear things come up that they've heard us adults talking about through the, throughout the day. And they kind of process like before we left for Key West, they were pretending they were like getting in a boat and bringing all of their things to Key West and just their little talking and their little like what they were constructing around that was like so cute. And they're just three and a half and they're just processing. They're playing, but they're also processing what is happening, what we've been talking about is going to happen in their little life. And it's it's really something else. I will say I did not speak to this earlier in this episode that I just wanted to mention here before we before I sign off is uh, how the free play does evolve as children get older and how that processing I mentioned ha that's happening through play kind of continues on uh, through to the older years. I'd mentioned kind of this experience that I had uh, with my best friend when I was speaking with teacher Tim about making like little towns and roadways, but the thinking play really is is something else. I know I've spoken with other Waldorf teachers about this and it was certainly true for me, um, not all Waldorf kids, that things that I was learning about in the classroom, because you're learning about them through basically a story or storytelling format, you are then interested and intrigued. And then when myself, my my friends and I would go out and play, especially I would say on, on grades four, five and under, 
maybe a little older, although I think my memory is like was not really happening in grade six anymore, is we would go out and like play Greek gods, <laughs> you know, like who got to be who and like playing the different ways, you know, what were they doing at the time? Can you imagine? I mean, like, how cool is that? And how were we really learning and, you know, really processing what we were learning through our play or when we were learning about the different kinds of animals in fourth grade in that curriculum, we were pretending to be the different animals and journeying across wherever that they existed and, you know, what kind of conflicts would come up for the animals that we had to then, you know, pretend. And I do feel sorry, like honorable mention for the laurel trees that are up around surrounding the Pine Hill Waldorf School in Wilton, New Hampshire, because we beat up those trees as kids like so bad. And I know uh, I've been back since with my son and my husband walking around being like, wow, okay, the teachers would tell us to take it easy climbing those little trees. And they have not held up so well <laughs> to all the kids. And I know they're definitely a lot stricter with the kids kind of climbing up all over those trees more so now than they were when we were littler. Anyways, let's come back to my biggest tips surrounding free play that I think is going to be really exciting for the parents, carers, adults listening is to observe. Observe your child in free play and what do you learn about them in free play? Yeah, it's really just an incredible part of a young child's life. You know, there's uh, also this piece, you know, was did that didn't even come up during this episode, which is play therapy. That's, um, I've only learned about that completely separate and outside of the Waldorf approach, but uh, it's something, I actually had somebody email me about this, about having an episode or guest surrounding play therapy, which I'm very interested in, but you know, obviously didn't quite fit into this episode or how to Waldorf, but that's something that some families may want to explore if you are interested. I think we've mentioned so many times there's really an unlimited list of reasons why free play is so important. And if you are interested in toys, I should say as well, that support free play and facilitate free open-ended play for children. I did speak with Megan Rose Wilson for an episode, Waldorf Toys. That's at waldorfy.com forward slash toys. And I will put that on the show notes page for this episode as well. The show notes page for this episode is waldorfy.com forward slash play. I have to again, thank our generous Patreon supporters for helping me to bring this content to all of you. If you are interested in becoming a supporter, please visit patreon.com forward slash waldorfy. Again, special thanks to Waldorfy podcast partner, Sparkle Stories. They created so much content for uh, you know you all listeners and you can get an extended 30-day free trial getting access to all of their incredible 1400 plus original audio stories for children ages three and up at sparklestories.com forward slash waldorfy and you should use the code waldorfy at checkout to get access to that extended 30-day free trial and i'm so looking forward to getting to check that out thank you all again for listening in and i look forward to speaking with you all again soon be well Thank you.